0: happy Monday, Cole.
1: Thank you. Another week, last week of my internship, before I go back to my second year MBA, so that's pretty cool.
0: Also an exciting week on Bachelor in Paradise.
1: Yes, that is also (laughs) true.
0: Didn't you know we're chatting about this today? No. (laughs) Just kidding. Just
1: finished watching, yes.
0: Um, In more exciting news, we had a really exciting first weekend of our book being available. We uh, got to kind of wake up to new book sales every day. It was exciting. Um, So if you purchased our book, thank you so much because you are supporting us and our causes and our efforts to share the national parks with a a lot of people. But you're also supporting some of the organizations that provide direct direct support to the national parks like the national park foundation, the zion national parks forever project and um all of the natural history associations aso- associated with the mighty 5. So, thank you guys so much. We um couldn't do anything without you. So, yeah. We appreciate all of this support. Um it's exciting to see some of our work validated a little bit and this is just the beginning. So, um, today I started on our Alaska ebook, which is exciting. So that's going to be our second mini ebook series—not series, but our our um, second ebook that we write. And then eventually we'll be writing our big book of all fifty-nine national parks, um, and working on some other projects like that. So stay tuned for a lot of a lot of books in the future. I think I think that's going to be a, a focus for a while.
1: And you basically wrote five
0: today, right? Yeah. So what I did today was I took our Mighty Five book and broke it into five parts. So you can actually go to our website, and if you are just interested in visiting Zion, um, or just visited, just interested in visiting Capitol Reef, you can grab that section. Each section is about is exactly 17 pages of information on a park. So it's a lot of details, a lot more than you would just get on our blog, and organized in a nice. nice way nice fashion or if you want to just kind of test out um our sort of style in writing um yeah not that it's a big investment (laughs) it's two (laughs) dollars any
1: way you cut it Yeah, two dollars
0: it still is the best deal of course to buy the if you're if you're planning on visiting utah still the best deal to visit or to buy the whole book for for 5.99 but you can actually buy each individual park section for a dollar 99 at this at this moment
1: so, so get them while you can. They're going fast.
0: They're not only they're,
1: have uh, an <laughs> infinite amount of copies since it's an ebook.
0: Only yeah, only an infinite amount. Only that many. Okay, so my tea ha- I think is officially steeped now. Let's check it out.
1: Yeah, so Look, looking
0: good. Um, I think we're ready to get into the details of what we're talking about today.
1: So let's say hello. Welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we reflect on our year visiting all 59 U.S. national parks.
0: Whether you're planning to visit your very first park or you bleed gray and green, we're here to share our insights on exploring, understanding, and loving America's best idea.
1: So thanks for tuning in. Today we're hashing out important considerations to make when visiting a park in the off-season.
0: But first, a quiz. Are you ready for your quiz this week?
1: It's been too long since I've been publicly humiliated. It's been too
0: long. Your confidence is uh, uncomfortably high.
1: Yeah. For me. For my (laughs)
0: taste.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's bring it down a couple notches. So
0: here's the the theme we've got going on today uh, in the parks quiz. Parks that have explosive origins. So basically, parks that are centered around volcanic activity.
1: Interesting. I thought that was
0: fitting because Very of, fitting because of the two parks we're going to be talking about later in our podcast as the main part of our podcast. but first, a quiz. So five questions. Name that national park or national park site, but I will specify. Okay. So which here's an easy one first. this is the layup.
1: All right I, I, need I a sometimes
0: I say that and it's not. so we'll see. <laughs> okay, which national park is home to Pele? Goddess of fire, lightning, wind, and volcanoes.
1: Yes, that is a layup. Except I always miss layups in basketball.
0: <laughs> I can see that.
1: Uh, <laughs> this one is Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, though.
0: It is good job. It's a
1: slam dunk. Slam. Actually.
0: I mean, it's it's easy though, so that it's a layup.
1: For like me, a, a slam shot. dunk is easy. Like an
0: unguarded. It's like whoo, bank Climb shot.
1: the ladder slam a lamb. Did you
0: just say for you a slam dunk is easy?
1: Of course. Okay, we'll
0: prove that later.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, number 2. Which national monument protected by Teddy Roosevelt is also a sacred worship site for Na- for Native American tribes? Several Native American tribes.
1: Ooh, I mean, two clues. Yeah, I, I would say The one that comes to mind is Devil's Tower National Monument, because I know it was protected by Teddy in like 1906 or something, right, when the Antiquities Act was passed, and I know it's very sacred to Native American tribes, because it's just so crazy unique. I don't know how volcanic it was, but I do know that something like that can't just happen on its own, so... (laughs) I'm guessing there was some volcanic activity that, that formed it at some point uh, and then probably all of the ground around it weathered away uh, and left that huge block of columns <laughs> rising in the air. Devil's Tower.
0: Good job, Devil's Tower. Ding, Woo! ding, ding. I was going to name some of the other, uh, the other origin stories that it has besides volcanic activity, um, like the bear the bear
1: uh yes trying to
0: get up the hill and pushing it all down and forming this uh devil's tower um but that's that's another that could be another quiz sometime okay (laughs) you already know i'll hold my breath (laughs) okay here's another one number three which national park is home to 15 active volcanoes making it one of the most active volcanic regions in the world
1: Yikes, Um, 15 active volcanoes. Oh, so first I know Yellowstone's really active volcanically, but that's I think just one volcano-ish. I also thought about some in Alaska, so it could be maybe Katmai or something. Uh, Of course there's Lassen, uh, which we might be hearing about later. Uh, I will go. I'm gonna go out on a limb though and say Katmai National Park. Good
0: job. Oh yeah. Three for three.
1: I bet you didn't think I'd get that one.
0: I thought you would maybe miss that one. Yeah, that was that was tricky. Um, but yeah, it's such a, it's just such a big volcanic volcanic area too. Yeah. Like it's and it's not visited it's not extremely accessible um just really interesting the we talked about that last week on the podcast so you can go back and look at that episode number four five number four Uh, which national monument was named for the distinctively reddish colored mineral deposits um, at the base of its main primary volcanic crater reddish mineral deposits okay that it's named for
1: oh i have no idea for this one
0: clue number two we went here
1: we went here mm-hmm. oh jeez. reddish mineral
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know <laughs> if i'm gonna pull this one out
0: i love your little <laughs> wrinkly brow good sign
1: yeah <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, you can edit Five, out this long pause, four, right?
0: Three, two, one.
1: Uh, Sunset Crater. Yeah. What?
0: How did you know that? You cheater.
1: No, I didn't.
0: Sun. Yeah, Sunset Crater. Seriously? Yeah. How did you you pulled that out the last second? <laughs> Not fair. It is my sunset, day. Sunset reddish. Sun. You know, sunset colored.
1: But. Uh, remember Ish. when we? went That's
0: why the crater was named.
1: Yeah, but you remember when we went there? We hiked around the the place where we saw all the stuff, and it looked like Oreo crumbles. Yep. And that's what I remember because <laughs> all the the magma or the lava rock. Yeah, but it, is really dark right, where we went. Right.
0: And but you can also in our pictures you can see that it's red. Okay. At the base, so the the like the top part is all Oreo-ish. Okay. okay number five good job i'm disappointed (laughs) (laughs) all right you might not miss well you might you uh it's i don't know just let me have it which national monument home to one of the greatest examples of a dry caldera in the world whatever that is is the least visited of all national park sites
1: what okay
0: but it's very explosive, volcanically.
1: National Monument that's a dry caldera, so it's not in the ocean somewhere. Correct. Um, is mean, that what that means? I would hope so. I don't know. Um, and it's expo- one of the most explosive?
0: No, no, no. It's, uh, it's the least visited yeah. of all national park sites. I don't know how explosive it is.
1: Well that's gotta be in Alaska. Oh it's that one by Katmai. Ah I don't know what it's called though.
0: Oh too bad. (laughs) Time's up.
1: (laughs) It starts with an N. No it doesn't. Um, It starts
0: with an A-N.
1: Oh well same thing.
0: You already lost it but, (laughs) but what is it? Annapurna. No antiochic.
1: Oh of course how could I have forgotten antiochic?
0: Well, I would have known it. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, you come up with the quiz sometime, and you can pr- you can see whether or not that is true.
1: <laughs> All right. All so- right.
0: So, fail. <laughs> right.
1: No, that's an eighty like percent.
0: A B minus. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty bad. Okay. Good job, Cole. Everyone, give Cole a round of applause. He really wants it. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and talk about some other explosive parks.
1: Yeah, let's get on with the show.
0: Okay. So today's topic, we are continuing on the theme of logistics for visiting national parks. So last week we talked about planning ahead. This week we're talking about off-season considerations you need to make. And next week we're going to be talking about the logistics of getting deeper into the parks. Um, You know, permits and regulations and things like that. So let's go ahead and be and start talking about our some off-season considerations you need to make. So, first, know that there are many many parks that differ greatly from season to season. There are a couple parks I can think of that don't differ very very much season to season. I would think parks like American Samoa and yeah,
1: anything and Ocean yeah. Dry
0: Tortugas. So a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, and even some parks like Saguaro, Joshua Tree, you know, they might the the um, weather. Of course, the temperatures would probably vary, but the activities that you are you can do there are um, pretty consistent throughout the year.
1: Unless you're really trying to get like into the mountains, backpacking in Saguaro. Yes, definitely. But I hear you.
0: But yeah, you get my point overall. <laughs>
1: Sometimes. redwood redwood is actually probably not doesn't change much. yeah pretty
0: consistent uh-huh. yeah hot springs yeah <laughs> it's inside um okay but basically what i'm getting at is that we're going to be talking about some of those parks that differ greatly from season to season so parks where you really need to know what you're getting yourself into before you go So these are mountainous parks and any kind of any parks in the north section of the United States, all the parks in Alaska, um, parks with a higher elevation and more extreme weather. So overall, pros of visiting parks, any national park in the off season would be things would most generally be things like lesser crowds. Um, You get to experience different activities you, uh, what else? Are
1: forced to be more creative.
0: Creativity, yeah. Um, b- the biggest thing, the biggest thing you'll notice is that the the parks are much more empty. I think that's the biggest difference.
1: Yeah, more uh, like personal time with the rangers. I don't know if that's your thing, like.
0: Mm-hmm. You and in a lot of situations, the weather is their color. can be more pleasant, um, because most people visit parks in the summer, even some desert parks. So depending on the park, you actually might get a little bit more pleasant weather, but mostly the off-season cons include more extreme um, weather, temperatures, colder usually, uh, snow-covered roads and trails, um, limited access to roads and trails and campgrounds and visitor centers, and what else would you say? Um, Some things might be just totally closed for the season.
1: It might not be as, like, there's a reason why people go during the peak season, Yeah, you, like, yeah. weather-wise, mm-hmm. you know, going in Death Valley in the middle of July, you're not going to see many people, but it's also going to be freaking miserable, <laughs> uh, right. and you'll have a heat stroke.
0: Right. So, so, now, specifically, let's get into our first park, which is Lassen Volcanic, which there's that volcanic again. Yeah. We knew we were going to be talking about some explosive parks today, so... Lassen Volcanic, located north of uh, Yosemite in a couple hours, probably.
1: Around Redding, California, I believe, was the town, right?
0: Yep. We slept in a Walmart there twice, I
1: think,
0: (laughs) on the way there and on the way back from Lassen Volcanic. Uh, It's a good one. Look it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But basically, we visited Lassen Volcanic in April, I believe, um, of 2016, and Lassen Volcanic has a huge winter season and a very short summer season. They get about four hundred to five hundred inches of snow each year. So when we went, the visitor center was um covered almost covered in about ten feet of snow. It was
1: open. There was was a nice little tunnel almost to the you know, from the parking lot to the building. And it was uh, you could, So you could go up to the visitor center, everything past the visitor center was under that 10 feet of snow because they don't bother clearing all of that. Uh, one, because it's so difficult, and two, because that's part of the attraction of the parks in the winter is that it has all that snow and you can do all sorts of stuff like snowshoeing and cross-country skiing.
0: Well, yeah, and they wait a certain amount of time before they start plowing the roads in the spring because it's just going to keep snowing, too. So they yep. also can, like, get more, you know, they'll experience more storms and then have to <laughs> start over. So definitely a unique park uh, seasonally. So we didn't experience very This was really the, the park that we had the, the least access to, I think. I, right? Because yes. we couldn't even drive into the park at all, we had to hike into the park. Into I guess we probably passed through the boundary when we were driving up to the visitor center, but to get to anything, we had to walk. So um, let's just go through and talk about some of our experiences in the in terms of off-season pros and off-season cons. So we'll start with the pros. So one of the pros I think that was made this trip really fun was that we got to do some alternative activities. That we didn't usually get to do. So, this was the first, I guess, Yo- no, Yosemite was the first, but this was the second park where we got to go snowshoe hiking um, with the rangers. A lot of national parks in the winter have a, a guided uh, ranger led snowshoe hike, which they provide the snowshoes. So, all you have to do is wear boots and show up and uh, get ready to do a little walking on the snow. So, we got to experience that, which was fun. Um, what else? we
1: yeah we also just got to so after walking um kind of along the back of the visitor center and you know not too far away just walking through the trees the ranger pointing out the different adaptations of winter and the plants and the animals and how they survive this massive amount of snow uh, you know all around them Um, after that we were able to take off on our own a little bit And do a little bit of hiking uh, from the visitor center down the road that was completely covered, again, to the first geothermal area. The one that's real close to the visitor center called Sulphur Works. And it was probably about a half a mile to a mile away. But when you are walking on 10 feet of snow, that seems a lot longer. And Especially
0: because your feet poke through and yeah, you go about down to your knees.
1: Because we had to return our snowshoes, we were just walking in our regular shoes, and it—it's uh, called it po- good, post-holing.
0: It was a good workout. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you some parts of the the snow. Uh, are really solid so you can walk on those and then all of a sudden you'll collapse and you'll go up past your knee and you have to dig yourself out and keep going um, so that's why we recommend going in the morning when the snow is still very cold from the night and it hasn't been heated up and softened um, during the day
0: definitely um, another th- unique thing that we did was we got uh, we were able to camp overnight in the parking lot. So most visitor centers, most national parks have a rule where you're not allowed to overnight park. Um, but the, since the campground was closed, and I I don't know if this is still a rule, but or a an allowance, but when the campground was closed, they said that you could set up your tent, uh, park in the camping park in the visitor center parking lot, and set up your tent on top of the snow um we opted to just sleep in our car after a long debate
1: yes i was really (laughs) interested in experimenting with snow camping
0: it would have been fine but i it was much more comfy to set up our air mattress and we'll never
1: know in
0: the car it was awesome it was a good night's sleep
1: Uh, debatable so no but what you do with snow camping though it sounds a little intimidating yes you're just setting up right on however many feet of snow but you just pack the snow down super hard and it becomes almost an insular layer so uh, it doesn't really melt and get you wet or anything Um, you're just setting up your tent there Uh, and there were some people doing it Um, not a lot there weren't a lot in the parking lot either we were probably one of two other groups
0: Mm -hmm. which gets us to our next pro of visiting in the off season which is low crowds so we didn't see very many people here the whole time of course everyone was kind of in the same area so we were probably on the ranger program with another 10 people at the most i would think um on the snowshoe hike and then saw a few other people cross-country skiing in the in uh further along on the road which was which sounds really cool Mm -hmm. Um, some people
1: were sl- getting ready in the parking lot for a long cross-country backpacking trip,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I thought sounded really cool. Um, we were not prepared at all to do that, but uh, someday. Yeah,
0: and maybe. and
1: they also did some. I think we saw some people doing their downhill skiing. So you can do all types of stuff.
0: Tons of tons of options. Um. And in the winter, there's no crowds. <laughs> Definitely not. And I don't think, I don't even think this is a very crowded park at all throughout the, it's a very mm-hmm. underrated national park. I had never heard of Lassen Volcanic before. Usually when we mention it, people don't really know what it is. So definitely a park to check out even on the on season, I think, even yeah, on peak season. Yeah, because there's
1: all types of backcountry hikes you can do. Uh, I was just looking at the map and of course there's Lassen Peak, which it's named for, so you can hike up to this 10,500 foot peak that's um, a volcano, and but then there's also all these super remote backcountry hikes, and one in particular sounded really cool. You, you kind of go into a different entrance of the park, and it, it's still on the south, but you take a different road to get there, and you can go to these other geothermal features that um, nobody gets to because they're not on the main drag. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I would definitely go back and hit up some of those longer backcountry trails because there's that section, there's the northeast section that nobody goes to. Um, Yeah, but there's, you know, so in the summer, The visitor center we were at you can take that road which is cleared by the summer and drive it all the way over from basically the southern central area of the park to the northwestern area of the park
0: manzanita lake
1: exactly that entrance so that's this whole the road connects those two entrances and that's a whole nother district basically that's the second place we went and that was really pretty it was a little more accessible and maybe even a little more um, crowded, meaning there were
0: five people instead yeah, of two. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we got we were able to walk all the way around the lake, uh, which was about a two mile trail. We picnicked by the lake. We did another little hike um, just around another lake, and uh, we were able to just. Explore this area a little bit more. It had less snow. It was lower elevation um, So it gave us a little bit more access into the park We just had to drive around instead of through the park like normal people do <laughs> um, One of the the last I would say the last pro of visiting in the off season was that we had to get a little creative with where we went and what we were going to explore in this area so one of the uh, things we got to do was do some things outside of the park, which we didn't normally do in, when we visited national parks um, during their accessible seasons. So we, saw a, we heard from a lot of people that Bernie Falls nearby, uh, Bernie Falls State Park, was worth the stop. So one of the days designated to visit Lassen Volcanic, we drove up to Bernie Falls, one of the coolest waterfalls I've ever seen
1: yeah it was totally huge worth it
0: wall of water cascading out of these rocks um
1: so it, one the, of the
0: biggest biggest widest widest waterfalls i've seen
1: yeah and the one thing that made this really unique is that yes, there's the water that flows over the edge of the cliff and comes down just like any other waterfall, but there's also water that just springs from the middle of the cliff. So you have the big sheet of water coming over the top, but then all of these other spouts of water coming through different holes yeah Yeah, seeping and some is just shooting out so it makes for a really interesting uh just just super textured picture
0: really really cool i highly recommend it so now moving into some of the the cons of visiting in the off season we've we've talked about a lot of these already when we talked about the pros but Of course, limited access. Like we've talked about, there's so much more to this park that we'd like to see on the along the park road. There's a lot of um, other geohydrothermal geothermal
1: geothermal
0: geothermal areas like um,
1: Bumpus Hell.
0: Yeah, like like that (laughs) that we did get to see on the park movie, but we did not get to see in person. So there's a lot more to see in the park than we got to uh, experience in our short time.
1: Devil's Kitchen.
0: Yeah, a lot of trails. We want to hike Lassen Peak, which is a five miles round trip um, summit of Lassen Peak. Um, a lot of things that were just boiling out
1: of, springs, out like. of reach.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Terminal geyser. Anything
0: else to <laughs> talk about with the with Lassen Volcanic? So, what we would go back for? Well,
1: well we forgot cold boiling lake.
0: Okay. You're done. <laughs> These names
1: are just super fun.
0: Yeah, so those are the things we'd go back for. Um, we did get to experience parts of the park and really cool parts of the park. We got a little slice of Lassen Volcanic, but there we have a lot of unfinished business at this park.
1: Word. So, I'm ready for park number two. Yes. It is the one and only Mount Rainier, just south of Seattle, Washington beautiful
0: the iconic Mount Rainier which you can see from Seattle on good days um, and from a lot of other places in Washington it's huge it towers the biggest thing is that it towers so far over everything else around it so um, along with it's other little uh, sisters like Mount Baker Mount what are some of the other ones Mount Rainier <laughs> Mount Hood uh, the the other peaks in the in the cascade range that really just they're they're about 14,000 feet and everything around them is about six or seven thousand feet so definitely stand out in the skyline
1: and Mount Rainier is the tallest mountain of the cascade range Mm -hmm. it is also uh, the fifth national park I believe in founded in 1899 good memory Yep.
0: If you're right, I don't know.
1: (laughs) So it's one of those that is an icon, a jewel of the NPS, and um, definitely lived up to it. So we were there in, what was it?
0: Very late April.
1: Okay. So, yeah, that was really early.
0: Very early, very limited. The summer season here is also really, really short. Um, generally, July and August are clear and good weather. They're also really crowded. Um, they're when most people visit Mount Rainier, but they're also when when everything is, uh, generally everything is accessible, um, including the sunrise area, which is, which is the last area of the park to open up. It's the highest elevation area. So when we visited in April, we could drive in the southwest corner, uh, the Nisqually entrance, we could drive that, up through Longmire, up to Paradise. Um, and if you look at a map of the park, that's a really, really small smidgen of the whole entire park. But it, it had a lot of the main features that we um, would have seen anyway. So let's start by just t- talking about some specific Mount Rainier pros visiting in, this, in the off season. So the summer peak season is really, really crowded. So if you can get slightly off of the summer the summer season, but still get to access a lot of the things like in June, or even if you visit in the summer but are able to go during the week, or um, yeah, it's only an hour.
1: It's only an hour and a half from Seattle. So oh,
0: it's like three hours from Seattle.
1: Oh, (laughs) it's like two plus a little bit hours from Seattle.
0: It's about three hours from Seattle. (laughs) I just drove it this summer. Um, it's it's. It's a day. It's, yeah, it's it's not impossible to drive there and back in a day. Um, but it's better if you can stay overnight somewhere. Anyway, so the pro of visiting in the off-season would be that it's, it's some of the same things. Less crowded, but of course more noticeably here than in Lassen because it's so crowded in the summer. Um, another pro would be... What?
1: <laughs> of, like, of, access? Yeah, uh-
0: of visiting... Mount oh, Rainier in the off during season. the off-season. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, I wouldn't I, say more— It's
1: really pretty with the snow all around. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: It adds a lot to the experience.
1: Because, I don't know, there's lots of different pretty seasons for Rainier specifically because when it's all snow-covered, gorgeous. When the f- wildflowers are blooming, mm-hmm. I've heard that's just— ridiculously pretty
0: that's one of the things i would go back for i wrote it down yeah for sure so the the biggest i think mount rainier had more cons of visiting in the off season than than other parks did um for example very limited access um the roads are just totally closed a lot of the roads are closed um I think so you're entrance. funneled
1: you're funneled into the same area right. as a lot of people so maybe it seems more crowded actually because you all have to go to the same spots whereas in the peak season you could get away from the crowds by going to some you know off the beaten path park entrances mm-hmm. trails uh, and which is what we usually did but we didn't have the option
0: yeah, some things were closed, like the, the main visitor center at Paradise was closed, um, or it was only open on the weekends, and we weren't there on the weekend. So sadly, that was the only national park where a movie was available and we didn't get to see it. But I did get to go see it this that, when I went back with my sister this summer. So never fear. You missed out, but I did not. I fear. <laughs> Another thing we had to do was carry snow chains so we were required to have snow chains from november 1st to may 1st and that's why i remember it was late april which because this we were was mad. An it another it was like a week shy of not having to rec- not having to have the snow chains
1: yeah this was another big debate because the website was very clear about requiring snow chains
0: and we heard that some people got fined at the entrance gate for not having them
1: but it was completely like not going to snow good you know, weather. Obviously, you never say can say that 100%, but it was May, let's remember, and we weren't able to May. go. Yeah, but it snows in May when you're, you know, in high elevations. I think most
0: people are going to agree with me on this. One. I'm sure
1: they will. <laughs> but I was just very um, annoyed that we had to go, you know, again, one week shy of the required snow chains um
0: semi-ambiguous uh you know calendar date right right
1: right. Uh, arbitrary i think is what you're looking for yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um so we had to go out and buy them basically and i wasn't a fan of that because i knew we wouldn't use them and i knew they would just be sitting in our closet in missouri where we never need any snow chains
0: and that's where it is and now we have snow chains yeah. We can go to Mount Rainier anytime we <laughs> <you>
1: want. <laughs> I will say, though, a friend from my class um, he went on a big road trip over the winter and was looking. You know, we were just talking about how I've, you know, he was going to go to some national parks. I was giving him some advice. And he mentioned snow chains. And I said, Oh, I have <laughs> some I could loan to you. Uh, or,
0: Did not, you sound like that when you said it?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oh boy.
1: <laughs> but, long story short, he got into some messy weather. Him and his girlfriend. You have to use them. And he totally had to use them. He said they saved his life. Wow. A hundred percent.
0: So my stickler to the rules saved his life. You didn't do anything.
1: I got him <laughs> the snow chains from our closet. But we
0: wouldn't have had them. Okay. So a lot of cons to visiting Mount Rainier in the off season, but there are still a lot of things you can do. So some of the um, things that we were able to do, we drove up to Longmire and we drove up to Paradise. And in that little short stretch of the park, there are several low elevation trails that we hiked, um, like Rampart Ridge Trail, which is really nice, has good views of the mountain. Um, We hiked, oh, what road was that? It was a, a park road. We had to walk a little bit on the road, and then we went out to the suspension bridge, which is just off of the Wonderland Trail.
1: Yeah, that was so cool. Just a a big, long suspension bridge that was a destination all in itself, basically. So, yeah... It was called West Side Road. That's what it was. West
0: Side Road. Thank you. So yeah. we had to walk a little bit on the road and then the trail that connected to the Wonderland Trail. So the Wonderland Trail was kind of like our dest- end destination. We really didn't hike much on that. Um, but it was a really cool trail. It was, it was about 15 miles round trip. It was long. It was a long hiking day. Um, but we got to uh, walk on a very unmaintained trail <laughs> that had not been cleaned yet. So it was challenging. um, But the suspension bridge was really, really cool. And that's one of the things that, you know, you see in pictures of the Wonderland Trail um, a lot. And so that was a a good long hike to be able to do since we are. I think we were a little restless after just seeing (laughs) just seeing a lot of parks from, you know, from overlooks in the winter. So that was a good like long hike we could still do.
1: And then, speaking of overlooks, going up to Paradise, there were plenty of spots to stop off. And uh, once we got up there, you are in a big parking lot and the snow just takes over. You know, you can't go any farther, but you can just start hiking onto the snow towards the mountain just as far as you want. So we did that. We went maybe a mile or so in
0: No, um, I mean not even that. We well, just kinda I walked. went a
1: mile. You uh you tuckered out on me. You
0: like to always point that out. <laughs> well I went this far. <laughs> um we walked up the hill a little bit and then walked back down the hill. It was it was and really I cool though. We also you. I think the highlight was meeting a mountaineering guide yes. that we got to talk to yeah. for a long time, which we heard about this Really interesting aspect of Mount Rainier, which, of course, is summiting Mount Rainier. And talking to him was really interesting. He, he guided how many different hikes up?
1: I think it was like 400.
0: It was a lot. So yeah. every year, 10,000 people attempt to climb Mount Rainier. There's about a 50% uh, success rate right now. So a lot of people don't make it um, because of weather and other factors. Um, but he was telling us all about these um, these hikes that he's taking people on, um, and they're and they're about not getting hikes. caught they're in not-
1: snowstorms and like getting almost lost in a whiteout, getting rescued by helicopters, watching a couple friends unfortunately. Yeah, it die. is not a hike. Um,
0: that's for sure. It definitely takes a lot of expert climbing experience. Um, to it's it, I think it's the hardest. It's definitely the hardest peak in the lower forty eight to, to to summit, right?
1: I mean no, because there are some you know, in Colorado that are super hard. You need that people, way but that people more climbing experience.
0: Do summit regularly. Like yeah. that's a popular like it's it's like It's a
1: popular summit challenge. I for think sure. of
0: Denali and then I think of Mount Rainier. Just because it's it's really moody it's got extreme weather it's uh a really intense climb
1: yeah and you know i would love to climb it sometime but i would i think i would definitely unless i had some really expert friends who had done it before and i could you know use all their expertise and gear i would definitely use a mountain guide company um because they have a lot of those i don't
0: think can you not use a company? Oh,
1: definitely. Okay. We saw some people in the visitor center who were just getting their permit to start hiking up on their own. It was just a a couple and he had hiked some mountain before. I think it was Mount Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you can do it on your own if you are experienced. The rangers will definitely question you a lot and kind of try to probe and make sure you're not going to cause, you know, a bunch of problems and risk for potential um rescuers so bottom line what you know i would love to do is join one of those kind of mountain tours and they have everything set up for you where you can i mean still a tough hike that you're doing you know on your own but um you're safe so
0: so that's something you would maybe go back for. I would not go back for that. I would go back for the wildflowers that bloom in July and August, uh, late summer. Um, I would go back maybe to hike the Wonderland Trail. That's been on both of our lists for a while, I think.
1: Definitely. That's it's a super 93 coveted three
0: mile permit. loop around Mount Rainier. Very hard to get. Yeah, very hard uh, lottery permit system to get into. But I've heard it's just amazing
1: takes about what two weeks or so i mean yeah 10 days yeah
0: yeah yeah Uh, a little over a week i think you can do it um but it's really lots of elevation gain up lots of ups lots and downs a million views of mount rainier so that would be (laughs) worth it to me and then of course some areas of the park like the the uh, sunrise area which we did not get to even drive up to um and a few other trails of course that we'd like to hike like the Grove of the Patriarchs is a famous one that was closed. Um, anything else you remember? There's a lot of the, yeah. the northeast corner of the park we did not get to experience at all. That's kind of the road up to Sunrise. The, the northwest area we didn't get to experience.
1: Northwest is what I would kind of like to go to because I feel like it is super um, off the path. So that's like you go down... To the Carbon River entrance it's called and you can just get into this remote network of trails and go up to some backpacking spots like Ipset Creek and I think there are some really nice waterfalls up there too as you just get closer and closer to uh, the un- undervisited side of the the mountain.
0: Yeah so even though the park is crowded in some areas there's there are all of these other um pa- other sections of the park just waiting to be explored. So we definitely have a lot still on our list for Mount Rainier. Amen. <laughs> so you, you don't know how to say anything else after I say something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I guess the message here... This is
0: our sermon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the message here is that there's almost always something to do in a park. It doesn't matter what season you go in. You just might have to get a little creative or you know, be open to checking out things around the park. But um, off-season, you know, make sure you are aware of those alternate, alternate activities and what types of limited access you'll be running into. Um, There will be possibly more extreme weather and a need for flexibility and different sets of temperatures, but the big payoff is the lower crowds and just possibly a very unique, special experience that you get maybe all to yourself.
0: Amen. So, thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next week to share information you need to get deeper into the national parks.
1: If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud, or find us on social media at SwitchbackKids. And you can always get additional national parks, videos, posts, guides, and books on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. out.